Mackay and welcome to this brand new gifted education series that we are launching this year. My name is James Meston. I am with RHD Radio and Podcasting and I am joined today by Kirsten Maycock. She is the system coach designated to gifted education here at CESA. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Kirsten. Oh, thanks for organising the podcast. That's quite all right. This is good fun. So over the course of this series, we're going to do three episodes and we're going to cover three different schools. And I think originally we were talking about this idea of um, breaking the episodes up into like different particular key areas of gifted education. But it turns out, as it often does with these things, that each school has its own complete story. And to to kind of break that up into, into fragments always doesn't really seem to honour really what's going on. Yeah, that's true. There were definitely some key themes that came up that across the three, but they were all very different in their approach. Mm. And in very different schools too, and uh, and all their programs are subtly different, or you know, in some cases, very, very different. To start with, the reason we are here doing this series is because of a, of a new strategy that's just been launched around gifted education. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and uh, like why it was, it was decided to be implemented and the sort of different things about it that, uh, that people may not know? So this has been a focus for um, Catholic education for some time, but I think we wanted to formalise it and give people something to anchor to when they're planning their gifted programs, which sometimes can seem a bit overwhelming. Um, So we came up with some um, principles that were commitments that we're going to um, support as a system um, that gave teachers guidance to start to meet the needs of these students in their schools because most people know that they you know have students that perhaps don't always get provisions that might they need we spend a lot of time quite rightly supporting students who need help to access the curriculum and so now a lot of schools have started to think I think we can see a need for the other end to be extended and challenged and their needs met too so what does the strategy do what provision does it actually give um, schools that they haven't had previously I think gives clear guidelines to how you can begin to identify students, um, meet their needs in the classroom, provide enrichment, and just how you can start to nurture a bit of a culture. What um, Jay, Dr. P- Professor Jay Jong from the University of New South Wales calls a pro-gifted culture, and that does take a little bit of um, sometimes rethinking about this, and but just really thinking, okay, if we've got all these students with these strengths in different areas, how can we really nurture them and tailor them and tailor needs and meet their needs? Is is part of the reason why a lot of schools don't really um, uh, feel that they're able to actually really engage with a with a gifted education program in in schools? Is it because they just they, they look at it and go, oh, this all just seems very very complicated. We don't have any specialist teachers in this area. Is 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 that sort of the the nature of it? I think that's one thing. I think if you don't have anyone leading it, it often um, falls to someone with a million other hats, and that's yeah. <laughs> yes. um, so I think that part of it is time, and part of it is also um, capacity. Some people just don't know quite where to start, and once we get started and work together and plan a way forward, they they're often running and. Um, you know, and you start with a small thing and then you can still you have to have the perfect provisions within one term. But um, I think that's one thing. And I think the other thing is that they've spent a lot of time thinking about the other students in their class and that this is something that these students are doing very well anyway, most of them. And so they feel that that's if they've got time, if they're time poor, their priority doesn't always end up there. So, yeah, 
a lot some of it is capacity building and then some of it's time as well so what we're going to do is we'll get a link to the strategy and we'll put that in the show notes for this episode so people who are interested in actually wanting to to really engage with the strategy and read more about it uh they can just click on the link that's there and uh and check it out from there now um the first episode that we are doing today is we got staff and students from gleason college into the the studio here to talk about their program can you give us a brief overview of the program at uh, at gleason kirsten yeah, um, well, Olivia Keach has been overseeing it and she's really got it up and running and she has thought of all different ways that she can to support students at her school. So they, they're offering acceleration, they're offering a really broad enrichment program, which sounded really engaging for the students and just giving them what keeps coming up as something that they thoroughly love is the chance to collaborate and work with like-minded students. Um, so that was really clear, listening to the student, things that they'd made during that time. And then they've also got some sort of subject extension that they offer to certain students as well. So just trying to capture as many students as they can and work towards supporting them and engaging them as well. Was there anything that in particular that kind of struck you when um, when they all came in and had a bit of a chat that you didn't already know? I know, but I think I was quite struck by how different they all were in terms of personality and skills and um, confidence. Um, so it was really great to see some quieter students, some more um, confident students, all being extended and engaged in their program. And it really shows, I guess, the gifted education. It's not a monoculture at all. It no. really does tailor to to people from all different kinds of backgrounds, personalities, and, and, and I guess ways that they present um, coming forward. And I think it really showed Olivia's commitment to it and how much she really connected with her students and wanted to go that extra bit to see them succeed. Okay, brilliant. Let's hear from them. So, Olivia... You're, you're, you're kind of, you've been kind enough to bring everyone in from Gleason today. Thank you very much for, for coming in and for everyone for giving up some of your valuable time in order to do this. Can you tell us a little bit about the programs that you do offer in this high ability space um, at Gleason and uh, how it all began and, and uh, your involvement in it? Awesome. Yeah, easy. So the programs that we run at Gleason are split into kind of three main categories. So we have the enrichment program extension programs and acceleration so in terms of enrichment in the beginning of 2022 we started our stretch program which is a program that runs after school two nights a week and students can choose to go one of those nights per week and it's an hour where students can be enriched across the curriculum it's about developing skills and capabilities and it's not so much learning area focus so it's not like maths extension or science extension mm. it's it's across everything um and we're looking at trying to build um skills opportunities to work together um building relationships with peers from other year levels or from other classes and they so the, yeah that's one's been going for about 18 months now mm-hmm. the second so liam and connor and ella are all currently in that program okay The second program that we do with our extension um, group, um, Ella is currently in that program and that has just started about 10 weeks ago. So kind of start of end of term two, beginning of term three. And what we do with that program is students come out of class one lesson per week to work with right now myself, but eventually the aim would be to have multiple teachers involved. Um, and we work as a really small group on a specific curriculum area extension. So right now, Ella is looking at um, English and Hass extension, and we're looking at things to do with like a model UN style of um, problem-based learning. 
kind of. Talk to me about what you mean by that. So this terms focus has an English has focus and we want the extension program to have a real world application and to pick a problem and the students kind of identify that problem themselves and then they uh, work through a bit of a design thinking process to come up with a solution for that problem. So Mm. um, the students have been imagining that we're presenting to a model UN and we've got in different members of our local parliament as well as um, our school like principals and um, people within our leadership team who we are going to present to actually next week. So we've kind of been working through that process together. There's currently seven students in that program. So it's very targeted to those students. Um, and they were selected through all that program due to um, both qualitative data uh, from like teacher nominations, but then the quantitative data that we're able to collect through the schools. So um, PAT results, grade point averages, um, assessment data mm-hmm. that we collect. You mentioned this a second ago, how students are identified. Like yeah. how do you actually say this is a student that should be approached or, or um, as these guys I'm sure were all at, at some point like identified. What, yeah. we, what did you see? What were you identifying as things that, 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 um, that you could see for them? So there's, as schools, most of us are collecting data all the time. So there's data collected in terms of um, academic grades, data collected in terms of PAT-M and PAT-R. I know some schools will use like the AGAT, um, which is the ACER General Abilities Test, um, and other forms of kind of objective measures that the student is is reaching. Mm -hmm. So um, there's that. And then subjective measurements, more like teacher nominations. So I would send out a email or communication to teachers and say, can you tell me about the students in your class who are reaching or showing these characteristics here? And there mm. would, there's a um, certain characteristics that high ability students can sometimes show more often. And um, teachers, you know, they're the ones who know their students best. I take four or five classes across the school, but I need all the teachers to give me that data so then I can um, put all of that together to come up with like holistically is this student somebody who I can see fitting into our stretch program, our extension program, or like for Kaylee here who is accelerated, we would be, that's kind of then the next level up. So Mm. Kaylee does um, currently in year 12 doing university when you're in year my year nine class, you were doing your 10 mathematics. And mm. so um, looking at her, like holistically, is this something that socially and emotionally she'd be capable of achieving? Um, and also is she having the data of like, she's achieving this point, this point, this point in her mathematics assessments or um, yeah, because she was accelerated in math. So that's what we would be looking at. Every, everyone who teaches, I guess, has a part, has a, has a passion for it. Yeah. And they'll always have a passion for something specific about teaching. What is it about this for you that really I lights you I, up? I just, I resonate a lot with these students. So I was a student myself who absolutely loved learning and I loved um, being in class. I lo- liked getting good grades and I looked for academic validation a lot as a Mm. student and so for me I get so much out of um, when we're in the stretch program or the extension program and I'm seeing students who um, are demonstrating confidence in speaking to other people and maybe they weren't as confident about that before they come up with a really creative idea and so I just get so passionate when I see 
the students there like thriving and having um, those challenges in kind of a, a and an opportunity where you can fail and you can take a risk and then you know in in our stretch program or our extension program it's not graded so they have the chance to really like push the limits and and do what they take a risk with their learning and make learning really engaging and fun and exciting for them um that just yeah, makes me really excited is it mandatory that they do this like if they get identified or do they choose to do it it is i just shook my head like you like the <laughs> podcast people can see um it is not mandatory. They don't need to be involved. So um, everyone here is uh, okay. here on Because this will inform. Because I think that's important that, that you know, if, if, if it's voluntary and they choose to come, yeah. that shows that they're getting something out of it. And that's really important, I think. In terms of the way that we structure our program, I would be saying like the extension program that Ella's part of does really have an academic focus because um, of the way that that was identified. So we were looking at PAT-R data, teacher nominations, looking at that specific subject. And so we would then have, um, I guess the school environment part is we have a dedicated space and time where we work on extending Ella and her peers in that particular area to help her and her peers reach their full potential. Mm -hmm. When I look at planning the stretch program, there are academic elements. So even like yesterday we were looking at um, probability-based games and things, but we also try and take into account with the planning other types of giftedness. So um, looking at um, like physical giftedness, we um, can do things relating to sports or um, challenges. So we did bit of a like trick shot based challenge recently um, within stretch. We're going to go on a camp later this year that has um, opportunities for students to be like physically active, um, creative giftness. So we can do um, different creative like tasks and activities and they do kind of interlink with each other, but it's just making sure that when you're planning your program that you're taking into account different strengths of students. So students can be really strong in different areas. Yeah. It's not math club because not everyone in stretch is like super, super great at math. So I try and look at it as like, am I meeting all of the different strengths of my students? Cause there's quite a few within the program. And am I providing that space where they can have social connections, where they can uh, learn a little bit more, be pushed a little bit further with me and the teachers involved to reach their full potential. Describe to me, maybe we'll start with you, uh, Liam, like what if, if I was to walk into the stretch program on, on any particular afternoon, what would I be seeing? Like, what's it like? Um, so we would do we would usually do a different activity every week, but sometimes we do activities that stretch across multiple weeks. How many people are there doing it with you guys? Um, usually, I'm not sure what the number would be. What is Just it? approximately, I suppose. 20. Yeah, around 20. Oh, so people. it's a fairly big group. It's kind of like a, yeah. you know, a class size, I suppose. Yeah, and there's two days. So people that can't make it Monday go Tuesday. Okay. All right. So you go in there and, and what what does it kind of like look like? Does it feel like a like a class or does it feel a bit different? Um it's a little bit different. It's a little uh, it's not as uh formal. So you can I I would usually just hang out with my friends and we would do the task together. It's not like we would 
we would do it all as a group. We would all help each other out. Okay. And so what would what would like a typical task be? Like, is there one that you're working on at the moment? So recently we were asked the question, what could we build for a city that would um, benefit? And uh, Connor and I worked on a model of a Dyson sphere, which is like a hypothetical megastructure that encompasses a star. So we used um, panels that were laser cut and we hot glued it together to make a... a a sphere and I created a I got a plastic bauble and I put in LEDs and I wired it all up and we got a working model of it. Dude, that sounds wild. <laughs> Does that is that's wild, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're playing it really, really cool about it. That's right. So this does sound very different to say what you would be currently doing in like science or physics or, or anything like that at the year level that you are. Yeah. You said you were a year, was it year nine? Year nine, nine yeah. Yeah. See, that seems a little beyond year nine to me. Do you really feel that it gives you an opportunity to really, I guess the term is stretch, but does it give you the opportunity to stretch in a way that feels really gratifying to you do you feel out of your depth or do you feel like this is actually meeting me where i am yeah i think personally it allows us to be more creative in what we do so it's not like um in another subject where we would write a report or an essay yeah. we get to express it how we want to like we made the model we could have done it as like we could have made it a powerpoint like another subject but we chose to do it the way we wanted to Connor is also a part of the stretch program with Liam. We did a probability-based task, so we were just applying uh, applying critical thinking to not only puzzles but games where we had to manipulate and use probability to figure out the possible outcomes of various games and puzzles. Yeah, and we also did um, yeah, like debating and ethics. So we were given a bunch of questions and we were asked to uh, state what our opinion, like what we thought was right and wrong. So being able to identify, you know, uh opinions and like what we truly believed in with those topics right has this as the, the 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 stuff that you've done within this stretch program has it kind of changed for you the way that you see the direction of your life and your career in any way have you sort of touched on things where you've gone this is really kind of like lit a fire under me doing this stuff uh yeah i'd say that it's um it's given me a newfound passion for school. Like I enjoy going into it. Like I enjoy just going to school and saying, oh, what am I going to do today? Not even just in stretch, but just in other subjects as well, because it really, I didn't know really what it was about, but w when I did find out it was like pushing myself. So I applied that also to other subjects I particularly fond of such as history and other things. So it really, um, yeah, lit a fire under me, as you said. So, Ella, you're doing something slightly different. So, you're doing the um, academic extension program. What would you do in a, in a general day um, in, in the program? Do you go, is it just once a week or more than once a week? Yeah, one lesson a week. And when do you do it in? Is it actually within school time? Yeah, instead of an English and Hass lesson, we go there. There's seven of us and there's your seven and your eights participating in it as well. Okay. So, to walk into this class, what's different, I guess, about walking into a class like that? Um, it's good to see that there's like other people like like-minded like us and like we all get along really well so we understand how each other are. Is it better doing something a class like this than it is doing your regular sort of like English or Hass class? Yeah it's enjoyable because we all get along as I said and like it's a really good project to do all together. Mm. 
What's been the best the best thing that you've worked on together since you've uh, since you've been doing it? So we're doing like an assignment at the moment about poverty and working on solutions to that and how the local government can do something about it. For you, when you got involved in this program as part of uh, year seven, um, was this the very first time that anyone had ever kind of identified that with you or ever really brought it up before? I didn't know that it was a thing before like I got like us to join and I thought it would be like a really good opportunity to build on my English and has. When you were at um, primary school, um, what was that? Um, did you always find that you were doing quite well um, in comparison to other people in your your class, or did you have different challenges or or different needs than other people? Did did that come up along the way? Yeah, I've always been like one year above everyone and doing like different work to everyone. That's like harder, and it was just weird to see that no one else is doing the same work as me so what was that so talk to me a little bit about what that was like as you were in primary school and and growing up with that that would have been strange yeah i can't imagine what that would have been like describe it to me because i I would really have no idea so like some teachers would give me extra like work or harder work or different work which like was hard to do because like no one else was doing it and it was like above everyone how did that go with, um, did it affect friendships or did it affect your ability to kind of socialise with people? Did you find it a bit hard to kind of relate to um, other kids as well if, if you were doing work that was higher above than, than what they were doing? Yeah, they would be talking about a completely different assignment that I was doing or like some of the math and stuff, things. It must have been hard then to talk to them about the work that you were doing because it was like, oh, what do you do? I'm doing this thing. I can't really talk to anybody about it. Yeah. It must have been a bit isolating to, to do it that way. I mean, I don't know. I mean, was it? I don't. I can't imagine. It was like, I would do like most of the stuff that they're doing, but some things would be above and like different compared to what everyone else was doing. So when you actually started doing the academic extension program and then all of a sudden you're in a class of people and you're all doing it, that would have been very different. Yeah, I was like... It was weird because I didn't know that other people were like in the same position as me. Did you have any conversations with anyone about that? Yeah, like I didn't realise how many people like experienced the same thing. What was it like to have those conversations with people about that? It was like I was shocked because I didn't realise that like people were having the same problems and like experiencing the same things as me even though they're like a year above me yeah wow do, do you make friends with people in this class a bit easier as a result because you've got those things in common yeah like some of the year eights that i wouldn't know and like didn't talk to i know them now and like i can go around the schoolyard and say hi So, Kaylee, this has been for you something in, in terms of this academic extension, something that's been kind of like a part of your life for a very long time. Yeah. How yeah. did this begin? We were the first lot. So, before that, it was only year eight and up. So, when we got there, it was kind of a big deal. They were like, there's these new year sevens. What do we do with them? And there was like a test at the beginning, near the beginning of the year. Mm. And I can't remember if it was actually the PAT test or if it was just a different test. It was six years ago. Um, But it was kind of testing our abilities on most subjects, including like English and maths. And so it was just like multiple choice online with, you know, some written answers. Very simple. Um, And I just took it the same as everyone else. Everyone was kind of in the same boat, like, yeah, okay, we'll just take this test. And then a couple of weeks later, I think it was 
um, one of our teachers that is gone now, but they were at the school at the time, obviously, came over to me and took me out of class and let me know that my results had been like um, noticeably higher than the other students, that I was at a very different level, especially with maths. So they had a conversation with me and I think my teachers and my parents and were talking about accelerating me. And so that's when I started doing year eight maths um, while I was in year seven at Gleason. Okay. And so this has been, has it been with maths only at this point? Like, or have you been doing that with other subjects as well? Um, so for most of my time at Gleason, it was just maths. Um, I was doing everything else at my grade level, but I was just doing maths one year above. Mm -hmm. um, so during year seven and eight, that meant, I think it was year seven and eight, that meant that I was, I would sit in a year seven classroom and just do year eight maths on my laptop, Okay. Um, along with some other students. And then around about year nine, I started, um, oh no, sorry, it was year 10. I actually went up to the year level classroom that I was studying. So I was- Talk to me about that moment, the very first time you did it, what was that like? Yeah, it was- a little scary because I was so used to like sitting with my friends who were in my year level but just mm. doing different work on my laptop sure. and because it was about six or seven students that were in the same boat as me it was like oh, that's a lot yeah, yeah yeah it was a fairly normalized thing you know everyone was just kind of aware that we were doing our own thing kind of during that time yeah um Miss Keach was I think it was was it your first year of teaching that you yeah in her first year of teaching, I was in her year nine maths class doing year 10 work. Right. And she was kind of like, oh, okay. Um, but she actually went so above and beyond with like providing me with, you know, extra work and letting me extend, not just like based on, you know, maths games on my laptop, but like, you know, actively teaching us and engaging with us, letting us ask questions and everything. And then that was kind of what it was like when I was in year 10 in that classroom, it was just a little bit scarier because it was like with a bunch of year 11s. If you could go back now um, and sort of speak to yourself at that moment, like what would you what would you say as a kind of like a, a one piece of advice you might give in order to sort of? Um, I'd definitely say, you know, um, seek support if you have to, because, you know, it can it can get, it can be easy to get wrapped up in that whole, I'm doing, something hard so I shouldn't need help because I need to prove that I can do hard things yeah but seeking support is like the thing that can get you through hard things and it's also hard in it of itself so you should be proud of yourself for seeking support as well mm. um and I'd also let myself know that like even if that I'm doing the right thing because I'll get to experience something even more enjoyable in the end you know it's not Definitely not a dead end whatsoever. In fact, it's opening up so much, so many more opportunities for me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, just stick with it and <laughs> seek support where you can and do what works for you as well, you know. Thanks to students Liam, Connor, Ella and Kaylee, and Gifted Education Coordinator at Gleeson College, Olivia Keach, for coming into the studio and giving us an insight into what gifted education looks like in their school community. If you want to hear the other episodes in the 2024 Gifted Education series or get more information about Caesar's new gifted education strategy, check out the show notes for this episode. All the links are there. 
This episode was produced by me, James Meston, for HD Radio and Podcasting on behalf of Catholic Education South Australia. Thanks for listening. Thank you.